podcast land. You are set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 65. What do we do on this show? Well, we cover MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing, any and everything I feel like talking about on the old combat sports landscape. And like I said, today is episode 65, and my guest today is going to be UFC featherweight, Kevin Crash Croon. So stay tuned a little bit later in the episode to catch that interview. So our schedule as far as today goes. We're going to have our full breakdown of UFC 259 from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Drea's drop of the night. Our main card picks for UFC 21 in Vegas. Q&A with the Rhino gang. Gang, gang. And then, of course, like I said, UFC featherweight. Kevin Crash Croon is going to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So... Let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Yesterday, the beginning of the prelims from this incredibly stacked card. And by the way, shout out to the prelims because they were fucking fantastic. Okay, so we got ourselves off to a really hot start. We had Trevin Jones versus Mario Bautista in the 135 pound division. Uh, This one was finished pretty nicely in the second round a TKO. It was kind of an adjusted uppercut that Jones threw, hit Bautista square on the face, knocked him around, knocked him back, uh, a little bit of GMP, and then it was over. Big win for Trevin Jones versus Mario Bautista at 135. Moving into the 155-pound or lightweight division, Eros Medic, which we are all remember from the uh, Dana White Contender Series, versus Alan Cruz. This one was awesome, dude. <laughs> Left hook started it all, knocked Cruz down. Lots, uh, There was a flying knee in there. Lots of unanswered GMP. The total strike count of this fight was 48 to zero. <laughs> like, you want to talk about domination station, man. That was zeros all day. Great win. The kid's got a, quite a personality. Um, looking forward to seeing what's next for him at 155. Then moving into the 115-pound division, we had Liviana Souza versus Amanda Lemos, two Brazilians going at it at the uh, strawweight division. Boy, Lemos just fucking came out. It was just dominant from the beginning. She she controlled the distance. She had really hard strikes, but she seemed to be very relaxed. Uh, Souza, who looked great in her last fight, really looked outclassed in this one. It was a beautiful, hard-powered jab from Lemos that really dropped Souza after she'd already been taking a bunch of shots, leg kicks, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, Lemos got the TKO in round one pretty much off of a jab, dude. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, phenomenal for her, man. I really look forward to seeing what's next for her at 115 pounds. Uh, moving into probably my favorite fight, at least on the early prelims, was Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews at 170 pounds. This one was awesome. Both guys were throwing combos. Uh, Brady slipped early and Jake like kind of dived on him, but Rashawn reversed the position, got inside control. He had more takedowns throughout the fight. Sean Brady really was dominant in the second and the third round, especially. And then in, uh, like I said, in the third round, Sean Brady got a beautiful arm triangle sub late over Jake Matthews. I still think Jake Matthews could be a good fighter. Uh, he's just kind of coming into his own, but I think Sean Brady still undefeated out of Philadelphia, man. This kid has everything. So, yeah, big win for Brady. Uh, moving into the 205-pound division, the very, very handsome Carlos Olberg versus Kennedy uh, in Zichku. Carlos started out really strong, had a really good game plan of putting pressure on, had some really nice strikes early. Um, you know, it, it was one of those deals where you thought the fight was going one way, and then with one punch, the whole thing turned. Kennedy had a huge right hook on Carlos. Uh, put him down, finish a little GMP. Then that was that was it, dude. Great win for Kennedy. Uh, huge guy at 205. I think Carlos is probably going to be back out of city kickboxing. Very skilled dude. Just was on the wrong end of a great punch from uh, Kennedy in this one. Moving into Tim Elliott versus Jordan Espinoza at 125 pounds. Tim Elliott was the fucking man in this one, dude. Just constant forward pressure, takedowns, top pressure. He was doing that rub, you know, that forearm rub into Jordan's face. There was a little controversy at one point when uh, Tim was on top. I actually couldn't hear what he was saying because I knew they were talking. I couldn't hear what he was saying. Apparently, it was something to the effect of uh, Jordan had had uh, a domestic violence issue of some sort, which again, I cannot confirm in any way. I'm just going on some hearsay here. And Tim was apparently talking 
talking about that. Like I already did this. And it was just, you know, really, it was incredible what was going on down there in the, uh, in the mix on the map. But Tim Elliott, man, completely one-sided fight. Great job for him. Unanimous decision. I really, I'd like to hear the rest of that story, dude. I really, I'm probably going to look into it a little bit later. I do not know the exact backstory on that, but wow, that was intense. Alrighty, moving into the Kai Kara France versus Rogerio Bontorin fight, also at 125 pounds. Kai Kara France was getting backpacked. He was fighting off submissions for almost the entire first round. Then when he finally fought out of it valiantly, landed a beautiful right hand, uppercut, and then another right, knocked uh, Rogerio down. Then, then he stopped. So Kai, like, knocked him down and then ran away. Herb had not exactly stopped the fight yet. Rogerio was on the ground. Uh, Kai then noticed that Herb had not exactly stopped it, so he came over and he was going to throw a hammer fist. Then Herb stopped it. Little confusion, but it looked like Rogerio, who tried to get up and then fell, kind of fell back over. It was it was the right move. The fight should have been over. Whether or not Kai should have stopped at that point, I don't think so. He probably should have finished it off first. But great win for Kai Car France for his first stoppage. He got the TKO in the first against Rogerio after fighting off tons of submission attempts. So good on Kai Car France. Moving into kind of the bummer of the prelims, old Joseph Benavides, who I've never been a like humongous fan of, but I just love Megan Olivi so much. And I know some other people share that sense of it that we want him to do well. But Askar Askarov was just way too much, not just on the ground, which we kind of expected. Uh, on the feet, he was landing nice shots, dude, beautiful leg kicks. Uh, he threw an early, uh, really nice crisp jab at Benavides that hurt him. Uh, and then, of course, we got into the big takedowns for Askarov. It was it was nonstop Askar Askarov, who on my notes I have as double A. And for the old wrestling fans who listen to this show, I, double A makes me think of Arne Anderson every time. But I've got double A written all over here. So, yeah, the whole third round was pretty much on the feet. Joseph did a much better job when it was on the feet. But still, Askar Askarov won all three rounds. Big win for him. I don't know what's next for Joseph Benavidez. Yeah, I don't know, man. He used to be an all-time contender, always there at 125, but, dude, he has not looked good as of late. So, yeah, Askarov looks like a star because going to be, you know, he's going to go for a championship shot at some point in his career. I'm almost sure of it. All righty, moving in back at 135 pounds, we had Kyler Phillips versus Song Yadong. And I got to tell you, in our <laughs> in our group chat, the Song Yadong jokes were flowing. Uh, <laughs> they were really funny, too. But Song Yadong, the higher-ranked guy, the more dangerous on-paper guy. But Kyler Phillips, man, his movement, his huge jabs, he landed a ginormous head kick early that Yadong just took. <laughs> act like it was no problem. Uh, late takedown for Kyler. Again, his movement and his cutting of angles and his ability to land a couple shots and get out of the way, away from the always moving forward Song Yudong, was really the difference. Um, again, a couple more late takedowns. Kyler Phillips got the very clear cut, you name his decision, and I felt kind of smart because I picked him to win and nobody else seemed to. So big win for Kyler Phillips uh, over Song Yudong. Moving into Dom Cruz versus Casey Kenny. This one was awesome, dude. It was vintage Dom Cruz. That herky-jerky, weird, squared-off movement in and out. He punched. He would punch you in the face, and he punched you in the belly, and then be completely out of the way. Casey Kenny threw a very high volume, and it was a very close fight. But I gave Dom Cruz. Um, I gave Dom all three rounds. I know it became a. Uh, it was a weird because one of the judges had it for Kenny, I believe. So it ended up being a split. But I thought Dom Cruz won that fight clearly. Interesting to see Dom come back and have that kind of a performance. I was really impressed by him. Casey Kenny is a good fighter, and Dom made him look, you know, like he was clearly the better fighter. So I was really impressed with Dom Cruz. Um, he was a weird call out. Right in the in the post fight presser for that guy from Monster who's 100 pounds bigger, he wants to do a charity fight. I'm not feeling that at all. But yeah, big win for Dominic Cruz uh, to get back in the win column for him. We're gonna go ahead and get into our main card now. We had Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic. I don't like to say that fights are boring, but this fight was fucking boring. <laughs> I mean, so little happened. And again, I and, and, and Gina knows, and a few other people know. I was um I was a little distracted during this one. I mean, but I was watching it. But man, I didn't take any notes because I was just like, what are they? It was really slow and plotting. Uh, unanimous decision for Alexander Rakic, which was the absolute right call. Uh, moving into Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. Now this one was fun. Okay, for his boarding as the first one was, this one was fun. Uh, early takedown for Makachev, got side control, 
He had a late armbar attempt. Dober valiantly fought it off. Uh, Makachev had a beautiful sweep takedown in the second. Little shots, little ground and pound to try to soften Drew Dober up. Uh, Drew tried to come out hard in the third, but again, it was another takedown, which then moved into a kind of a wrong-sided arm triangle. You know, maybe like a version of like a, a Von Flu a little bit. It was a beautiful choke, big tap. Dober's out. Islam Makachev, another, bit, another big win. Submission in the third round over Drew Dober. Um, and his jawline. Uh, <laughs> so another big win for Makachev. This was a fun fight. I enjoyed it. Uh, moving into the first of the three title fights on the main card, we had Petra Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. This one was interesting. I thought Aljo was really in control early. Uh, Jan had his moments. He did drop Aljo. Uh, Jan controlled most of the second round. Um, again, they were both landing big shots. And in the third, I thought Petra was starting to you know, kind of pull away a little bit. And then uh, Aljo was on his knees and Jan for no understandable reason threw a giant knee into Aljo's face, completely illegal shot. I was, I was shocked to see it, dude. I was like, how could he do that? And Aljo was really, really hurt. They had to, they had no choice, but to dis disqualify Petra Jan. That fight is now over. It's in the books. You can't dispute it. There's no, Nothing. It's over. It's a wrap. Aljo is the champion. Do they need to run it back? A thousand percent. They need to run it back. Right. And again, it's one of those situations that we've never seen. At least I've never seen in my thousands and thousands of fights. Having watched, never seen a DQ title change hands. Never seen it. Um, yeah. One of those rare things that reminds you that MMA is a, is an incredible, <laughs> an incredible sport where so many different things can happen. So Aljamain Sterling is our current 135 pound champ. Off of the DQ, I would like to see them run it back as soon as Aljo is cleared by doctors to go back to training and he's all safe and okay. Let's see them go back. I don't think he was faking, by the way. I saw a whole lot of stuff in the TL about him faking. I, don't, I did not see it that way at all. So let's move into the quick of the the quickest of the title fights from last night's UFC 259, the co-main, the incredible, the unstoppable, the incomparable, a man of the lioness, Nunez versus Megan, super tall. Australian Anderson. Uh, this one was Amanda Nunez so fast. It was like two minutes and three seconds of the first round. Amanda moved forward, landed some shots, got the takedown, took the back of Megan, got the submission, kind of an inverted triangle armbar choke slash armbar in round one. Amanda just is amazing, <laughs> dude. There aren't enough words to describe her. She's too good. Um, there's nobody at 145 who could even come close to her. There is somebody at 135 who I think is, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the old Rhino Gang Q&A. All right, moving into our main event with Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya versus John Bohovich, Polish power. And this one was, it was interesting, dude. I thought it was, a, I thought it was going to be a little bit higher paced. You know what I mean? Um, it was far more methodical, far, like far more chess matchy, you know, in the first couple rounds. Israel had some beautiful kicks. Israel had some nice quick jabs. Jan was landing a little bit of those hooks. Um, for me, it was it was really close those first couple. I actually gave him to Izzy, but I could see, especially in the second, I could see it going either way. Uh, and then in the third, you know, the takedown for Jan, he had Izzy backing up and throwing. But really in the fourth and the fifth, it was the same story, essentially. Jan getting on top of Izzy, not letting him get off of the off of his back. And nothing major was landed. There was no major damage or anything. But Jan controlled basically the fourth and the fifth. So, yeah, it was a clear-cut unanimous decision for Jan, Blok Jan Blokowicz in the uh, main event on that one. Izzy is a fantastic fighter. I think he was a little bit more cautionary right in this one he didn't want it because of Jan's power he didn't want to get into too many too much of a firefight right so Jan Blokovic which um you know I, I like him at one third and I've been 100 being 38 years old having the 205 belt I like him there I think he could stay for a while but I also think Izzy is really really good and he's going to stay the middleweight champion for a long time to come as well so big ups to Izzy big ups to Jan big win for Jan and his team so he, uh, yeah, he didn't have to show the the Polish power punching. He kind of showed it with the grappling, which was really, really cool. So good on him. All righty, D-Rays, now that we have cleared the entirety of the UFC 259 breakdown, why don't we go ahead and give Drea a call and get her world-famous drop of the night. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got that triumphant return of our girl, the feature player, Andrea, for her world-famous drop of the night. Andrea, what do you got from last night? There was quite the uh, list to choose from. What would you land on for your world-famous Drea's drop of the night? You're right. It was such a good card. Uh, the prelims were full of finishes last night. But the one that stood out for me the most was uh, Carlos Olberg versus Kennedy in Vechiku. This fight early on was pretty much a one-way show for Olberg, but then in round two, Kennedy started to turn it up. Um, he started letting his hands go, and Olberg just wasn't covering up. Then Kennedy throws a few shots as he's backing Olberg up against the cage, and he lands this clean, clean right hook that just drops Olberg to the ground against the fence, and it was over. Uh, it was a beautiful comeback and a fantastic drop. So my drop of the night goes to Kennedy in Zetchiku. Big ups to Kennedy for a fantastic Drea's drop of the night. Already next week, the train keeps a rolling, feature play, Drea. So we've got UFC Vegas 21 next week. Let's go ahead and get into our main card picks. I'll start us off. I've got Gavin Tucker beating 50K Dan Ige by a TKO in the third round. And I think this one has all of the ingredients to bake up ourselves a beautiful fight of the night. So, yes, I got Gavin Tucker over Dan 50K Ige, TKO in the third. What about you? Um, I am going Dan Ige, actually. I think it's going to go the distance, and I'm picking Dan Ige with a unanimous decision. All right, so Dre's got Dan Ige on that one. And uh, since everybody knows who listens to the show, I can't stand Ben Rothwell, never could, so I will never pick him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually probably, my brain probably thinks Ben Rothwell will win this fight, but I'm not going to pick him. I'm going Felipe Lins, a split decision, a rare split decision in the heavyweight division. Felipe Lins over Ben Rothwell, split decision. What about you? As much as I know you hate it, I'm going to go with Ben Rothwell on this one. And, and I'm taking Ben Rothwell, uh, TKO finish in the third. All righty. Moving into the one that I am the most bummed to have to make a pick on. We got my man, Eric Anders, Rhino Gang 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 versus Darren Stewart, who I was on the WoCast with one time. And he was so awesome to talk to, even though he thought my name was Ronnie as opposed to Rhino. <laughs> I love the dude. I love the way he fights. I love his attitude. Darren Stewart is the dentist. Golly, I hate having to make a pick. This reminds me of like when Dustin fought Justin. You know, I just, I love both guys, but for real, I got to pick one. So I'm going to go Eric Anders by a very close decision over Darren, the dentist, Stewart. How do you see that one? Um, I'm actually going Darren Stewart on that one um, with a unanimous decision. I don't want either one to lose. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I really like as much as I, I want Eric Anders to, right. to come uh, in with a win, but I'm I'm going Darren. Gotcha, dude. It all makes sense. So uh, then we got Misha Serkinov versus Ryan Spann. I definitely have Misha Serkinov winning by second round. TKO. What's your call on that one? Did you play Adrea? Uh, I'm going Misha as well, uh, but I'm going decision. All right, you got decision over Ryan Spann. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then in the main event, we got the quick turnaround for Bilal Muhammad over Leon Edwards. Um, I'm going with Bilal. I think the inactivity of Edwards is going to be a major part of this. I think Bilal's forward pressure and cardio is going to be the difference. I got Bilal Muhammad winning by unanimous decision over Leon Edwards. What about you? I'm with you on that one. I'm definitely on this Bilal hype train that's going on right now. He's been really active just coming off his last fight and hopping right back in there. So um, I agree with you. I'm going Bilal with the unanimous decision. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions, feature play, Andrea. I know our first one comes from our dear homie from up in Canada way, RSP, the Rage of Sweet Potato. What do you got this week, RSP? The Brazilian Gangster. From Corey Anderson's Beeston 25-8 to Brad Imes' Hillbilly Heartthrob, MMA has had some terrible nicknames over the years. Frankly, it's getting to the point where most fighters should not be allowed to pick their own nicknames. What it's supposed to be is something that reflects upon your personality or fighting style, like Wanderlei Silva's Axe Murderer. What it is not supposed to be is some lame bullshit that sounds like you came up with it while hanging out at your friend's base basement, smoking weed and eating pizza rolls, trying to sound cool. What are some of your favorite best and worst MMA or boxing nicknames over the years? 
So again, as always, wonderful question, RSP. So in boxing, you can't give yourself a nickname. Otherwise, you're considered a fraud, right? You have to get it organically from somebody else. I've asked other people in MMA if it's the same. And some people say yes. Some people say no. I've really never gotten a clear answer. But for me, you have to be given it by somebody else. That's first of all. So you're absolutely right in your assessment of what a nickname should be about. It should be about like your fight style or something about with your personality. So some of my, like, it's just gotta be authentic to you, right? So some of my favorite ones um, ever are from boxing is the Will of the Wisp, Willie Pep. I love that one, Will of the Wisp. Um, obviously Chuck the Iceman Liddell because he was always so calm and he never got nervous. Uh, the Motor City Cobra, my man Tommy Hearns for his his accuracy and the way he would strike. I love that one. Plus he was long and lean like a cobra. I love the Motor City Cobra. I also really like the, the Prodigy. I, mean, I was never a huge BJ Penn fan, but I always thought that nickname was very cool because you know he won incredible pretty high-level jiu-jitsu tournaments when he'd only been training for a, for a short amount of time. So I thought that one was always uh, a cool nickname for BJ Penn. I also like really unique nicknames, right? Ones that nobody else is going to have. So you want to talk about something like the Crochet Boss, dude, Maurice Green. I love the Crochet Boss <laughs> because he actually crochets, right? Um, I love Andy. My last week's guy, our last week's guy, Andy the Crasian. When I thought it was so fun, it was so cool. Um, the Zohan, dude, Randy Costa, Rango, Rado Gang, 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 the Zohan. <laughs> Nobody else is going to be the Zohan, okay? I love that one, too. The ones I really don't like are not like kind of the, uh, the, the, the generic ones. That's the ones that I, I don't really like. Like everybody for years has been, there's so many pit bulls, right? And there's so many Spartans, and there's so many guys with the name Sugar or Sugar in it. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, I just don't like the generic ones. So, yes, my favorite ones, Will of the Wisp. The Iceman, Motor City Cobra, the Crochet Boss, the Crazy, and so on. Things like that. I like those, not the generic standard, you know, brand one. So thank you so much, RSP. That was an awesome question. It was a fun one to answer. I know our next one comes from our girl, Sin City Sarah. Sin City Sarah, what do you got for us this week? Can you please shed some light on the biased commentary? I've heard other people complain about it in the past, but tonight is the first time it really bothered me. I felt it was really disrespectful to Jan, especially since he was the champ. Why? Why are they so biased sometimes? Make it make sense to me, please. Is this <clears throat> is the UFC pushing for that? I hope not, but probably. Have a great week. Sending lots of love. Yeah, homie, this is a tale as old as the fight game, okay? I absolutely believe that many times commentators kind of already have like a preconceived notion in their mind of what's going to happen or what should happen going into a big fight. And if and when it's not going that way or like going to plan, they start trying to force their narrative when they're calling the fight. I don't think there's some like conspiracy like behind the scenes where the UFC is you know, say, oh, we really want to push him, try to try to steer it towards them winning. I don't think that's what happens. I think it really comes down to the the commentators and their kind of idea of what they think was going to happen. So I think it's more of an attempt to look smarter or like force the perception of what's happening in the fight is coinciding with the way that they had it playing out in their minds so that they look smarter. They look like they're this great analyst. They look like they have the upper hand on the fans, right? You know, like this inside track. I think that's what happens far more often than any sort of, you know, backstage, you know, hey, you should do this or that. I don't think that really happens. Again, I think it's kind of what I said. I think it's them trying to make sure that whatever they, ha they thought was going to happen um, is the perception that they, that they present to the people watching. That's really what I think it boils down to. So thank you so much, Sin City Sarah, our girl. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Sin City Sarah's uh, vlog on YouTube. It is awesome. Subscribe to her channel. She is the best. So let's move into my girl, APB. APB, what do you got for us this week? Tough night for you, Dong. I'm still not sure how he ate that head kick in the first. Kyler Phillips looked fantastic. His speed and angles kept you down from having much success in the first two rounds. Who do you think Kyler Phillips should fight next? I see a lot of exciting fights in his future. First of all, shout out to APB, not only for being such a great homie and member of the Rhino Gang and my friend, but she had some of the best Yadong uh, jokes in the group. <laughs> <laughs> I did had everybody fucking rolling. So shout out to you, APB. On I that. knew her question uh, was gonna come in about you, Dong, after all of the <laughs> after all the jokes yesterday. 
<laughs> so good. Uh, so to her question, next for Kyler, let's go with Dominic Cruz, dude. He just won last night, too. He was only three spots ahead of Song Yidong in the 135-pound rankings. Uh, we'd have kind of that narrative of the young lion versus the older lion. They're both really great with their footwork. I mean, you even mentioned it in the question. He cuts, uh, he being Kyler, cuts fantastic angles. What is Dominic Cruz the best at? Getting out of the fucking way, right? And being elusive, showing his footwork to get away. I think it'd be a really interesting matchup. They're both very tall, 135ers, and I think there could be some really um, exciting exchanges and some strikes. I really think that would be a really fun fight. So yeah, let's let's keep it going for Kyler trying to move up the uh, trying to move up the ladder at one, 135 and fight Dominic Cruz. I think that'd be a fun fight for everybody. So great question, APB. Thank you so much for asking it, my friend. All right, let's get into our uh, next Twitter question with our girl, the Scream Queen Supreme, Jess, the horror movie queen aficionado. What do you got for us this week, Jess? With Amanda's win, should they just shut down 145 with no other clear opponents? And the only fight that makes sense is if Valentina comes back up for the 135 title fight if she gets through Andrade. But how amazing would it be if Nunes could drop to 125 and win that as well? Can't because that's a crucial cut. Yeah, I, I don't think there's they should necessarily shut down 145, but man, they have really dropped the ball with growing it, dude. Like 145 pounds. We talked about this a couple months ago, I remember on a show. If if the UFC wants to be the preeminent, and it is, be the preeminent promotion, they should have the strongest roster in every single weight class across the board. Bellator literally has more talent at 145-pound women's division than the UFC mm-hmm. does. I think they should be embarrassed about that. I, I think they should have really restocked the 145 pound female division in order to give Amanda some, you know, some real competition. And there just, there hasn't been that at all. Uh, I don't necessarily think that they're going to shut down 145 because obviously they love having the double champ, which Amanda completely deserves, you know, um, I, I, we, I, Dre, you can attest. How many times have I whined and complained that I want a Adam weight division? In Adam weight. Yes, I, I agree. I think that they need one as well. I mean, more they're than so fun to watch, you know, and Invicta, it's one of my favorite weight classes to watch. hundred percent. hundred percent. There's so much talent. 105 that should be brought in. They don't have to dissolve 145 to bring in 105, but if they were going to, that better be the reason why. Right. right so exactly. as far as the Valentina aspect, yeah, I absolutely agree. I would love to see them fight at 135 pounds. I think that they, even though Amanda technically has won both, I think that Chev or a bullet won the second fight. So to mm-hmm. me, they're one and one. They should definitely have a rubber match. I think that Valentina is the only person in the entire uh, realm of the UFC who could beat Amanda at this point, like skill for skill. Of course, anybody could catch her with like a crazy KO or a crazy submission. I mean, of course that can happen, but like skill versus skill, uh, position versus position. I think bullet Shevchenko is the only antidote to the incredible talent that Amanda the Lioness Nunez is. So, yes, I would love to see them fight again at 135. Um, you're right. I don't think there's any way that Amanda could make 125. I think it's already a pretty hard weight cut to get to 35 for her. So, yeah, I don't see 25 ever happening, just like you don't, but love to see her and Bullet run it at 135 pounds for the third time. So, Jess, thank you so very much. Wonderful question, my friend. Alrighty, future player, Andrea, that's going to run into the end of our Twitter questions this week. We had your drop of the night. We got your main card picks for UFC Vegas 21. We are so glad that you are back on the dial that we can tune into our future play Andrea this week. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. All righty, Rhino Game is letting it into our voice questions. And our first one comes from my very elevated OG homie, Jim Sue. Jim, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? All right, before these fights are even fucking done, haven't started the main event yet, but I want to get this question in now. Because I'll never remember. I'm so fucking gone right now. Um, oh, sorry, Rhino, Rhino gang. Hope y'all doing well. Um, who's next for Amanda? Uh, I don't see anybody, but... You know what I mean? Who's next for her? They gotta run Al Joe fucking in the end back again. Like, that's fucking bullshit, man. So, that's my question for you this week, man. Who's next for Amanda and... Obviously, they got to run Aldo and fucking, or Aldo, fuck. Told you, motherfuckers, I'm fucking wasted. Anyways, 
It's always four to one of you. <laughs> oh gosh, that was awesome. Uh, next for Amanda, bro. I talked about a little bit in the uh, writing questions. I really hope we get to see Valentina versus Amanda three at 135 pounds. I think Bullet. I think Bullet won their second fight, dude, and she's the only one who's talented enough to really give Amanda a real struggle, no matter where the fight were to go. So yeah, um, I really want to. I really want to see that fight. I've been championing for it for a while. Amanda just keeps, you know, crushing these people that she faces, and Bullet is just amazing. So yeah, I really want to see Amanda versus uh, Valentina three. That's what I'm hoping for. So thank you so much, my brother Jim. All right, let's move into the iron side of gravity design. My dude, Dave Fretz. Dave, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, pretty wild night last night. Some things we've never seen before. Um, Izzy Lost. Uh, Drunk Juice recording songs on the timeline. Wait. I think we've seen that before, but anyways, it's a pretty good thing to wake up to. Uh, and what a weird fight, uh, Aljo and Jan. Um, pretty disturbing that <clears throat> Mark Smith was uh, making Aljo kind of decide that. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. I think <clears throat> there should have just been a rule. I mean, it was it was such a, a blatant foul uh illegal shot that it, it just should have been an automatic dq but just want to get your thoughts all right man talk to you soon peace hey judah combat sports with rhinos mascot supreme um as far as your question dave i, I i'm really hesitant to say there should be an automatic dq for something like that because I, I don't want that rule in place just for the situation in the future if something like if something similar happens with like a down knee or, you know, whatever, uh, a very, uh, definitely an illegal strike, but for some reason or another, it doesn't really hurt the fighter that, you know, receives the foul. So IE, let's say that that knee, let's say that rule was in place, right. Where an automatic uh, DQ happens when a certain strike, what if the other guy isn't hurt that bad and he wants to continue the fight. Right. So I'm really hesitant to say there should be an automatic DQ rule from a, for a strike like that, for an illegal strike like that, the the opposite end is we don't want people getting hurt, right? Like consistently, so there needs to be a major penalty for um, for illegal strikes. So yeah, it's a it's a tough it's a tough situation. Obviously, we can't have it be where like you know uh, <laughs> where there's something with the effect of where the doctor comes in and says, Oh no, you can go. But the, the, the fighters like really, really hurt. We don't want to see that either. So we really have to rely on the, uh, the doctor's assessment, the corner, because the fighter is going to want to fight a lot of times, even if they're really badly hurt. So there definitely needs to be a hard rule about it. But just like you, man, I've never seen anything like that before. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, I really do think Aljo was really hurt too, by the way. I know I talked about that a little earlier, but I don't think he was faking. I saw some people talking about him. They thought he was faking it or putting on the uh, dramatics for last night. No, I think he really, really was hurt and concussed. So I'm glad the fight was stopped. It had to be a DQ. The title had to change hands. It's just the way it had to go. So thank you so much, Dave Fretz. A fantastic poster of Kevin Kroom once again this week, my dude. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram, the Einstein of Graphic Design. He is the man. So thank you so much, Dave. All right, our third question comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's up, Rhino? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Not a good night for city kickboxing. Pretty boy Carlos Olberg let that body adi adi hit the floor. And my boy Israel, well, it's too soon. It's too soon. But I want to talk about Kai Don't Blink, Cara France. Finally got his finish in the UFC, his first finish in the UFC. The stoppage was a little sus. Here's what I mean by that. I'm the first to bury Herb Dean, but I'm not sure he's to blame. Although, I mean, Kai folded Rogerio Bontorin, but then Kai did seem to celebrate it, which influenced the stoppage. And then Rogerio seemed to be chasing a single leg. But I don't know. What do you think? Was it a good stoppage? 
Yeah, Juice, it was it was kind of a strain. So the, the question becomes, do we always need to see somebody get finished to the point where the ref has to stop it? I always say go to the ref pulls you off, right? Because the, the problem is that when you don't, these kind of controversies happen. The flip side is, if somebody's really hurt, don't we like the sportsmanship of somebody not continuing and looking at the ref being like, hey, it's a wrap, and then the ref jumping in? Of course, I like that. I know I'm not everybody does, but I like that. But again, in a situation last night, he, I think he should have kept on going until Herb stepped in. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the right guy won. The right guy won with a stoppage. It was legit. Again, you should probably go until the referee stops it, unless you can see that the guy is clearly out, which I think Kai was trying to be kind of a good sport, and that was what his goal was. But you got to finish. You got to go until the ref pulls you off or says stop, um, or if the guy is clean out. That's really kind of where I go on that, particularly in chokes and knockouts. You know, if you feel him go limp, you can say he's out, and then the referee should jump in right away. So, yeah, that was a that was an interesting finish last night, my dude. So thank you for that question, Juice. If you guys have already already of course check out my juice my juice yeah my juice check out my boy juice at the friendly sparring pod with his uh new co-host leo uh absolutely give those guys a listen very cool stuff all right i know our last voice question comes from another one of the deep uh canada homies my boy decrons decrons what do you got for us this week my dude hey rhino what's going on my brother um i'm sure you've touched on it already um, I just wanted to hear your feelings on a title switching hands on a DQ like that. It doesn't feel right. I don't I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Um, do, will there be any, an immediate rematch? What's going to go on there? Um, other than that, God damn, Amanda's good. I love watching her fight. And that whole, the whole story, Amanda and Nina, and it just, it's not touched on enough. They're... It's absolutely amazing. I love that chick so much. My God, is she good. Uh, that was a fun night of fights. And uh, I can't wait to see you dong back in there. Take care, brother. First off, buddy, I, I've never seen a title change hands off of DQ. I, you know, I've watched a million fights, never seen it. It's an incredible first. Um, it really sucks for everybody involved, dude. Not only not only for, for Jan, but for, for Sterling and his camp, everybody involved for Dana, for the fans, everybody kind of had the wind taken out of their sails, having a situation like that in front of us. Um, the rule has to be there. Otherwise, like a champion could be losing a title fight and they're just automatically like DQ themselves to retain the belt. Like, <laughs> like seventies and eighties, WWF style. <laughs> I mean, like, Oh, I'm losing. I'm going to just get DQ so I can retain the title. So the, 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 that rule has to be in place for that. Um, Yes, I do see the need for a rematch on that right away. But again, Aljo's health is first, is paramount. He's got to go through all the protocols. He's got to have some time to train. So I don't think we're going to see it like run back in a month or two. But I do think that is the next fight that has to be made for the 135-pound title is uh, Petrion versus Aljamain Sterling once Aljo has had time to recover and cleared all protocols. So, yeah, I definitely see that one going on next. Thank you so much. Oh, and then, again, I also love the Lioness family, dude. I love that. I love that too. Nina and Amanda and the baby. Very cool stuff. I'm all, I'm all for that. Very, very cool. So thank you so much. D Crons. All right. Before we get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Kevin Crash Croom, let's get a quick word in from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. 
Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. We've got ourselves a very special guest once again this week. Joining me today, UFC featherweight Kevin Crash Crew, all the way from Missouri. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Yeah, no worries, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really stoked to have you on, bro. So, uh, Kevin, in the 10 rounds of Rhino format, I love our first question to always kind of be the origin story. How did you first get into MMA, dude? Uh, man, I uh, always wanted to fight. I've always liked fighting. I started wrestling in high school, and uh, even before I knew what MMA was, I knew there was something called ultimate fighting, and uh, you know, I always wanted to do that. And then I was uh, working graveyard at a gas station when this kid that I got in a fight in high school with uh, came in at like 3 a.m. telling me he was a fighter. And so I thought, well, if you're a fighter, then I'm a fighter. <laughs> right. I had my first fight the next week, and then here we are 14 years later. <laughs> so your first Amy fight was literally a week after you decided to do it? Yeah, yep, a, a week later, no training. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, dude, you are coming off a grueling fight with Alex Caceres a couple weeks ago. How are you feeling physically? Are you doing okay? Yeah, man, yeah, everything's good. Everything's good, man. I mean, besides my pride, we're, we're good to go. <laughs> hey, dude, if we if, if everybody was undefeated, this would be a very uh, entertaining sport, you know what I mean? Shit, we, we win count. some, we lose some, you know. You know. <laughs> that's, that's for sure, for sure. Exactly. So we, we, when we get out with our health, we got to be, you know, I in my pro career, I took many losses, just like many wins. And man, it is it is a hard pill to swallow. But as long as you get out of it with your health, you're doing all right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's always the next one. <laughs> exactly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Glory MMA and Fitness has been your home gym for a while now. The James Krause is one of the rare active fighters who's also considered like one of the best coaches in the whole game. What are some of the parts of your arsenal you think you've really been able to uh, shore up under his tutelage? Yeah, uh, man. Like, I mean, I came to James with a lot of skills. I've been I've been fighting for a while already, um, and the things that James does really well is he just kind of helps you systemize your game and like kind of helps you build a roadmap for the things that you do well and uh i mean i think i think just james has helped organize my system uh really well and uh yeah i mean that that definitely helps out yeah dude for sure uh, yeah you just kind of mentioned it but you're now 34 pro fights into your career which is an incredible feat unto itself dude um do you have like a timetable set you know what i mean like kind of an end goal like oh i want to have 40 or i don't or i want to go until i'm 42 years old or is it just kind of like as long as i'm competing at a high level and still winning and doing that before you decide you know maybe it's time to step away yeah um i mean i definitely i definitely would like to have like you know at least 50 pro fights um but also man i'm just gonna rock this until the wheels fall off you know this, this is what i love this is this is it's my favorite thing you know uh it, it's the life it's the life I love, man. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go until I'm done. I'm not going to be one of those people who, who retires and then comes back, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it until I'm done. And then when I'm done, I'll be done. And right, dude. Life, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, now you just talked about moving on with your life, like post fight. What do you, what are some of the things you see, you see yourself doing? Do you think you're going to get into training or do you want to stay in the, like the MMA world or is there something else you got a real deep interest in? Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know about training at this point. Uh, not that, not that I don't always want to be around the sport in some capacity. I don't know if I have like a, a real, uh, calling to train. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. But then also I have so much experience and so much knowledge. It, it, it feels like it would go to waste if I didn't. So I'm not really quite sure on, on that yet. Uh, how I will, will stay involved with the sport, but I'm sure that I will. Uh, as far as like other things, man, like, I mean, I've always, I've always done construction. I've always been, uh, big into like remodeling houses. I, I grew up remodeling houses with my parents and stuff. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'll, I'll probably get into some real estate at some point, you know, I mean here, even, even when I'm still fighting, you know, uh, you know, I like to work with my hands. So I imagine that, that, that all work with my hands in some capacity. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but you know, I mean, just keep, keep keep my options open you know yeah absolutely dude that's awesome to have that kind of uh 
that kind of backup plan of experience that you have. Um, now, your nickname, Crash, uh, is awesome. I love that nickname, dude. Where did that come from? Like, what's the, where, where, who gave you that one? Yeah, James James gave it to me because my fighting style is kind of like creating a consistent car crash. And, uh, I mean, I just, I just thought that was really fitting. And, and uh, you know, you can also call me Crash Bandicroom, which I like that, too. I remember that video game, dude. That was yeah. absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the main reasons I'm stoked to talk to you today, dude, is that you have you have quite a like a quite an experience level. Obviously, you fought a million guys over the course of your career, but one that sticks out for me, and I think for a lot of MMA fans, both good, bad, and indifferent, is <laughs> it's felony Charles Bennett, dude. Yeah. So you, you had the opportunity. I mean, I know you only fought him for a couple minutes before you choked him out, but you know, you're kind of a big personality. Uh, he's as big of a personality as there is in the world, I think. What was yeah, that right. experience like fighting Charles Crazy Horse, now felony Bennett? Yeah, man, it was wild. It was wild. Uh, obviously, I've been a fan of him since before I started fighting. A fan of his antics, at least, you know. And so, like, sure. it was, it was, it was definitely interesting. Uh, there were like a few things, like you know, like during the weigh-ins, he started, you know, doing some stuff, and like I kind of was thinking, you know, like if this was anybody else, I like might like push him or something like this. But this is felony. I'm just gonna kind of like sit back and laugh about it, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he definitely, he definitely did some wild stuff and uh i like i said i mean i kind of just like sat back and let him be him and, and kind of enjoyed it you know and, instead of instead of like trying to play him up or anything like that i just kind of enjoyed what he did you know and then i mean i i choked him out which that was fun too <laughs> <laughs> yes it was just two minutes into the first round so it's not like getting any, uh big damage or it was a big threat to you but yeah he uh <laughs> He's one of those guys that, like, just like you, I've been watching him forever. I remember him getting uh, choked out in the backstage of Pride. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, right. this is just guy is just a fucking legend in his own way. We'll say, you know what I mean. So, For very sure. cool to get your firsthand perspective on that. Um, so, when you were started, like, first started kind of watching the UFC and other brands of MMA, were there some fighters that you really were like, okay, I really like this guy's style that you're kind of a big fan of? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, for sure. Uh, uh, I, I really liked obviously Anderson Silva is was the man forever. Um, I really liked Anderson Silva. Uh, Matt Hughes was a was a big inspiration to me when I first started. Uh, I mean, definitely, definitely. I mean, obviously the Ice Man, fucking Chuck Liddell, my know, favorite I of think, all time, bro. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the first fight I ever actually saw was him and Tito won. Uh, so like, yeah, man. Uh, you know, those are the legends. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right, dude. And, uh, yeah, Chuck Liddell, everybody knows he's my favorite fighter of all time. I absolutely co-sign on that one, my dude. Um, so, again, we talked about your long career, Kevin. You have won your fights in a multitude of ways. Lots of different chokes, lots of different punching. You know, you, you've won by a ground and pound. You have really won in almost every way there is to win. Is there a way that sticks out that you like the most or you mean that it's, like, the most satisfying for you? Uh, man, you know, like, I don't know that they're, they're different, you know, I mean, getting the knockout is, is so sick, but then choking somebody unconscious is sick too. having somebody tap to your will, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's pretty awesome. So I'm going to say both when you drop somebody and then choke them out, that's pretty, pretty fucking sick. See, that's why I love talking to you MMA guys, because, you know, as a pro boxer, I, I, I have no idea what it's like to choke somebody out to take their arm it, home. You know what it, I mean? Yeah, I man, no it, idea. it's pretty awesome to have a grown man submit to your will you know what i mean like like i love i love knocking people out but like when you make somebody tap like it feels pretty good oh dude that's amazing so uh you already went through a long fight camp and now you've been able to kind of relax and, and chill out so once you are done with the training done with the fight done with the weight cut done with all that bullshit and you are like you're like all right dude it's time for crash to eat what is like the first like luxurious, awesome, satisfying, fatty meal that my man, man Kevin Crash Crew got after his fight? Man, uh, I'm a huge bacon cheeseburger, French fries, and a strawberry milkshake guy. Wow, where'd you go yeah. ahead and get that from? Was there a specific uh, spot that's the best? Yeah, I mean, we got it from Five Guys because they delivered. I, I was wanting, I was wanting to get uh, some In and Out, but uh, but Five Guys is ended up what what we got. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a big burger and fry guy, and I brought this up before. You know, I've asked this about 
to probably 60 or 70 fighters at this point. And the, the, the number one answer is usually wings and beer, but number two is usually burger and fries. And I completely agree with you on that one, my friend. Um, Hell yeah. So that's that. Yeah. That's the obligatory food question, Kevin. So <laughs> right now we've actually careened our way already into round 10. We have just, we have just slammed it on through. So can we get your socials so that everybody here in the, in the Rhino game can all kind of follow your career moving forward. We want to keep tabs on you, see how things are going like flight yeah. announcements or whatever. Can we just get your socials, dude? Most definitely. Uh, Kevin Kroom underscore UFC. I think that's everything. So on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. Kevin Kroom underscore UFC. Awesome. Kevin Kroom underscore UFC. So everybody in the Rhino gang, this guy is Heck so yeah. fun to watch. We know him. He's a, it's it's a really one of those great deals where we get to get to know a fighter and then everybody kind of gets more interested because they've heard you talk. They get to know your personality a little bit better. And then we all want to see you fight next, man. So we here at the CSWR crew, we are all stoked to watch you moving forward. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time on a beautiful Saturday afternoon and uh, for talking with us. And I really appreciate you. And we'll absolutely want to talk to you after your next fight, man. For sure, man. I appreciate you having me on, and I'll be here. I'll be here for you after my next fight, totally. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Yes, sir. Have a good one, man. You too. This is Kevin Crash Kroom, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Thanks, guys. Kevin, man, I want to say again, thank you so much for taking the time out from your schedule to talk with the old Rhino. That was awesome. It was fun. It was insightful. Really, really great guy. It's, it's you know, it's always a big testament to somebody's character who can come in and talk coming off of a loss in their career. And he did it with style, with grace, reeked of class. Absolutely fantastic interview. Thank you so much, my dude, Kevin. All right, let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs to our forum contributors this week. We got the big homie Jim Soon. We got Rage's Sweet Potato, my man Dave Fretz, Sin City Sarah, APB, Jess, my Scream Queen Supreme, D. Kranz. Thank you guys all so much for participating in the uh, in the forum this week. I feel like I'm – am I missing somebody? I don't think so. I think I got everybody. Uh, of course, to the rest of the Rhino gang, Brat. Lanta, Mike Morgan, Kairos from the shot, Mike Morgan and Kairos from the Shots Fired Pod, Scott Nolan, Angel, Mr. B, Marquise, all the ladies of the PRG, both the beautiful, lovely Pamela's, Miss Fight Diva, Unsolicited Fight Picks, Ashley the MMA Nerd, Pokey Mama, Unmatched MMA, my girl Molly Bell. If you like pro wrestling articles, Molly Bell is the shit. You guys should definitely check her out in her writing. All the MCCI bros. My dude, Ray, back to, I was really glad to see you back on the timeline, dude, at Ray's Uma Plata Soup. Rory, Raw Rex, uh, all the homies at Underdog MMA, my fam over there. Shout out to the Dodge Sports homies. Happy B-Day to my older sister and my, my older sister, Molly, who is uh, another year older and wiser. Love you. Of course, to the best crew, the backbone of this operation, the feature player, Drea. So glad to have you back this week. The best engineer in the biz, D. Reigns. The Einstein of graphic design, my man Dave Fretz. Let's be kind to each other this week. Let's have a great week, whether at work or otherwise. Love is greater than hate. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. K-Sign!